Let's bow for a moment of prayer. Please play with me. Lord, we thank you for your grace at work in our lives, and we pray that as we hear your word today that you would speak to our hearts and that you would shower upon us fresh measures of grace, faith, and love in Christ our Savior. In his name we pray, amen. amen. You know, very few of us have ever witnessed slavery firsthand. Oh, we've read about it in books. We've uh, seen it on television documentaries and in films. But chances are that we've never witnessed it firsthand. So it's kind of hard for us to believe, really believe, and to understand that this cruel and oppressive practice of slavery was once widely woven into the fabric of American life. But it was. And it took a civil war to strip the seam of slavery from the garment of American history. It took a courageous and clear-thinking president named Abraham Lincoln to stand in the gap, to be misunderstood and maligned, and ultimately killed for a cause that he thought was not only worth fighting for, but worth dying for. Just a few weeks before his assassination at his second inauguration as President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln spoke of how neither the North or the, or the South had ever really wanted or anticipated the depth of the Civil War, but it had come nonetheless. Here's what he said, neither party expected this war to have the magnitude or the duration which it already attained. Each looked for an easier triumph. Both read from the same Bible and pray to the same God, and each invokes his aid against the other. And at this point, President Lincoln's voice broke the depth of his emotion showing through, and he spoke about how strange it was that men, in his words, should dare ask a just God's assistance in wringing their bread from the sweat of other men's faces. It was not until 10 months later that slavery was legally abolished in the United States of America with the adoption of the 13th Amendment on December 18, 1865. Though already dead, for many months Lincoln still spoke. At last, his dream was realized. And during that week before Christmas, 1865, word of the adoption of the 13th Amendment swept across Capitol Hill, down the valleys of Virginia, the back roads of the Carolinas, and deeper still to the plantations of Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, 
Louisiana, the newspaper headlines trumpeted slavery legally abolished. However, something happened that many never expected. The vast majority of slaves in the South, even though they were now legally freed to no longer live on as slaves, continued to live just like they were slaves. They continued to live as if nothing had happened. The great Civil War historian Shelby Fote, in his three-volume work on the Civil War, verifies this surprising reality when he wrote this. The Negro remained locked in a caste system of race etiquette as rigid as any he had known in formal bondage. Every slave could repeat with equal validity what an Alabama slave said when asked what he thought of the great emancipator. I don't know nothing about Abraham Lincoln, he replied, except they said he set us free, and I don't know nothing about that neither. There's one word to describe a situation like this. It's the word tragic. A war had been fought. A president had been assassinated. A constitutional amendment had been adopted. Men and women who had been enslaved for decades were now set free. And yet, tragically, many of them continued to live in the bondage, the squalor, the fear of slavery. In the face of hard-earned, expensively paid freedom, they kept on living like slaves. And if you think that's tragic, I want to tell you about an even greater tragedy. It has to do with men and women today living as spiritual slaves. Even though the great emancipator, Jesus Christ, paid the ultimate price to overthrow slavery once and for all, when on the cross he died to set captives free, many people still live in spiritual bondage to the squalor of sin and guilt and fear and shame. This in spite of the fact that from the earliest days of his public ministry, Jesus Christ made clear that he came to go to a cross to set captives free. People of Mission Liberty Hill, this liberty was his mission. And he made this clear in the first words he spoke in his public ministry. I'd like to ask you to take out your message notes and look at the very first scripture on your notes, the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 19. 
Here's what that scripture says on your notes. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, and here were his words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor or grace. Jesus said, I have come to set prisoners free, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the time of God's grace and favor. And that's why we're in a message series right now entitled, Welcome the King of Glory. He is royal in character, in which we are looking at the character of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thus far, we've learned about welcoming the royal attentiveness of God, that our God is an all-knowing God. And we've learned about welcoming the royal power of God, that our God is an almighty God. Now today I wanna bring you a message on welcoming the royal grace of God, that our God is an all-loving God. You see, all of us need the loving and the liberating grace of God. Years ago, when the famed evangelist Billy Sunday was preparing to conduct an evangelistic crusade in a large city, he wrote the mayor of that city, and he asked the mayor to send to him the names of people in that city who were dealing with major spiritual problems and needed prayer. In response to Billy Sunday's request, the mayor sent Billy Sunday the city telephone directory. <laughs> We're all in the same book. We're all in the same boat. Every single one of us needs the grace, the love, the liberating freedom that only God can give to us in his son, Jesus Christ. All of us need that because you see, we mistakenly think that sin is just rebellion against God. That's what we think. But the Bible says sin is not just rebellion against God. Sin is bondage. Sin is slavery. Sin is incarceration. That's what the scripture says sin is. Here's how the Bible describes our condition apart from the loving, liberating grace of Jesus Christ. I want you to take your Bible now and turn to a section of Scripture found in Romans chapter 7. So turn uh, to Romans chapter 7 in your Bible, and I want you to notice what Paul said starting in verse 1 of Romans chapter 7. Here's what Paul wrote. So I find this law at work 
When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man that I am. That is our condition apart from the grace, the forgiveness, the love of Jesus Christ. But I stand here today to tell you that while all of us need the loving, liberating grace of Jesus Christ, our God and our Savior Jesus is that kind of loving God. And he has given us what we need in his son, Jesus Christ. Titus 3, 3 to 8 on your message notes is our emancipation proclamation. And I want you to read our emancipation proclamation out loud with me. Let's all read from our notes, Titus 3, 3 to 8. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. That's our emancipation proclamation. And now you know why Paul wrote what he did when after he said in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He went on, and in the rest of verse 24, look at that in your scriptures, he said this, Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he went on, and in Romans 8 verse 1, he said, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Jesus Christ is our God of royal love and grace. He is our great emancipator because God's this kind of God. I heard the story of a farmer who had experienced several rough years. So he went to uh, his bank and asked to see the manager of the bank. When the manager brought him into his office, the farmer said, well, I have some good news and some bad news to share with you. What do you want to hear first? The manager said, well, tell me the bad news first. Let's get it over with. The farmer said, well, with the drought this last year, with the way things have been, I just need to tell you, I'm not going to be able to make a payment on my mortgage this entire year, either principal or interest, not going to happen. That's pretty bad, said the banker. It gets worse, says the farmer. You know that loan I took out? 
to buy the machinery I bought and the seed and fertilizer I needed. Not going to be able to make a single payment on that either. That's awful, said the banker. Well, what's the good news? The farmer said, well, the good news is that I intend to keep on doing business with you. And the good news is that in spite of our spiritual bankruptcy caused by sin, God intends to keep on doing business with us. And that's just what he did in Jesus Christ. As Jesus said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's grace. The spiritual slavery of your sin has been legally abolished. I'll say it again. The spiritual slavery of your sin has been legally abolished. So why should you live like a slave any longer? Why should you live in the squalor of fear, guilt, regret, remorse, and shame? The king of glory comes with royal love, grace, and forgiveness to set captives free. People of Mission Liberty Hill, this liberty is his mission. So to every person who hears this message today, I pose this question, here it is. How does God want you to welcome the royal love of Jesus Christ into your life? How does God want you to welcome the royal love of Jesus Christ into your life? Here's how, write these things on your notes. When it comes to your sin, by the power of the Holy Spirit graciously working in you, when it comes to your sin, admit it. Admit it. That's right. Admit your waywardness to God. Several years ago, I cut out of our local newspaper a very brief article, and I want to read it to you. Here's what the article said. Title of the article, Minnesota on my mind. A Los Angeles truck driver must have thought he had encountered the dumbest bunch of cops in history when he stopped for directions in Duluth, Minnesota last Friday. His written delivery instructions told him how to traverse Boggs Avenue, Independence Boulevard, and Meadowbrook Lane. Streets, quote, we had never heard of, end quote, says Dave Johnson, one of the officers at the scene. They suggested that the trucker get his invoice, which showed that he was a few miles off target. He was supposed to be in Duluth, Georgia. <laughs> Listen, if you find yourself morally, spiritually, personally, in some kind of Duluth, Minnesota spot, instead of Duluth, Georgia. Admit it. God asks 
for an open-hearted admission of your sin before him. He doesn't want you to rationalize it. He doesn't want you to excuse it away. He doesn't want you to blame other people. He wants you to own up to it. Admit it. Secondly, when it comes to your sin, entrust it. Entrust it. You don't have to hold on to your sin, your guilt, your regret any longer. Entrust it into the nail-pierced hands of your Savior, Jesus Christ. And what will God do with it when you give it to him? Well, the prophet Micah told us in Micah 7, 18 and 19 on your notes, who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Or to put it another way, with God, it becomes out of sight and out of mind. So when it comes to your sin, admit it, entrust it, and then leave it. Leave it. Do you remember what Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8? Look at it on your notes. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. That's where people a lot of times like to end the story. And they forget what else Jesus said. Go now and leave your life of sin. And that's what Jesus is saying to you and to me. He says that we need to leave our pet sins behind us move forward and live in the freedom that we have in Christ and not live like slaves anymore. Because as the scripture says, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So fight the good fight of faith. Stand strong against sin. It's like Abraham Lincoln said shortly after he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Sounding more like captive Ahab in the novel Moby Dick than like the great emancipator, Lincoln said this, we are like whalers who have been on a long chase. We have at last gotten the harpoon into the monster, but now we must look to how we steer or with one flop of his tail, he will send us all into eternity. If there's some place in your life where you are playing footsies with sin, not taking it seriously, living like a slave instead of like a dearly loved and marvelously liberated child of God, and you want to welcome the royal love and grace of Jesus Christ into your life, when it comes to your sin, admit it, entrust it, and leave it. And then, when it comes to God's grace by the power of the Holy Spirit, embrace it. By faith, embrace the liberating, victorious grace, love, and forgiveness of Jesus Christ for you. Say, nothing in my hands I bring, 
simply to thy cross. I love this word. I cling. Don't keep God's grace at arm's length. You know, many people walk around holding the grace of God like this, as if it were radioactive or something. And they, they keep thinking, you know, what's going to make me right before God is me pulling myself up by my bootstraps. And yes, Jesus' grace will help me do that, but I'm still the one to pull myself up by my bootstrap. That's holding the grace of God at arm's length. Instead, hold tight to his grace. Embrace it. Cling to the cross. It means your very freedom. When it comes to God's grace, embrace it. And if you want to welcome the royal love of God into your life, share it. Share his grace. As you have received his grace, release it to other people. You know, all around us are men and women and children who are still enslaved to sin. They have yet to hear the good news that spiritual slavery has legally been abolished through the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross. As we have been liberated by Christ, let us be liberators in Christ. This is our mission of liberty as people of Mission Liberty Hill. For this work, the work of the church of Jesus Christ is the most important work on the face of this earth. In the words of the closing verse of that hymn of the Civil War, the battle hymn of the Republic, in the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me as he died to make men holy. Let us live to make men free while God is marching on. Let's stand for closing prayer. Yes, Lord Jesus, we praise you that you are on the march today. You are our all-loving, all-gracious God. We are approaching, O oh Lord, that week when we commemorate how you died to make us free. We welcome you as our great emancipator. We welcome your royal and liberating love into our lives. When it comes to our sin, we will admit it. By your grace, we will entrust it and we will leave it. And when it comes to your grace, we embrace it and we share it. For we are your people, the people of Mission Liberty Hill. This is our mission and by your grace, we will fulfill it. Amen and amen.